So welcome. I hear you start. So Alex, it's really good to see you again. Glad that you're practicing and getting some benefit from practice. And as we had been talking, yes, it's okay to check other points of view out so that you can see how they actually fit together. That Bhante Vilamaramsi and I uh, basically teach the same thing. He is, in fact, the teacher who is closest to the way that I teach. Oh, Out, wow. That, that he is, that is outside of the tradition of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. The one that, it, that is really the closest to, that I teach would be Achan uh, Dhammaviti. Uh, and he's physically the closest too. He's within 20 miles of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes he's 20 miles. Yeah, the rest of the time he's 40 miles <clears throat> on the mainland. So in any mm -hmm. case, yes. Um, the, the point about <clears throat> using the term meta practice is misleading because meta is the outcome of correct practice. It's not a practice itself. So it's got the, mm -hmm. the effect situation backwards. But you could also say that when you are also when you are practicing metta correctly, you're actually practicing it as wholesome thoughts. And when you are practicing metta by wanting metta, or by saying, may all beings be happy when you know that all beings are not happy. <laughs> then that's just ordinary kind of mentality. It's not actually gladdening the mind. But if you can put the expression to it of, well, I wish everybody felt as good as I do right now. Mm -hmm. Because then right. you have that attitude that you can go around spreading that joy to the people that are in your world. Yeah, it has all to the things that are in your reality, you can actually spread the joy that you have, but you can't give people a gift that you don't have. And so uh, if you can use the meta as a, uh, let us say, an intellectual concept of actually nothing but wholesome, valuable, uh, useful thoughts that bring about those good feelings, that is always a combination, that you have to have the intention to feel good before you feel good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that intention is very, very quick. In fact, this morning I, I noticed that as I was um, putting the water in the cup for coffee, that there was a heavy feeling low down in the body. And I immediately put, set the coffee cup down on the way to the bathroom without having the thought, the actual conceptual thought. It was almost like the waking up was only the experience of the urge. There was no thought to it that put me in motion to step into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to think I've got to go to the bathroom. I didn't think about, oh, I've got to take a dump. I didn't have any thoughts. It was just the feeling and then the action. But the feeling also had 
just a tiny bit of intention because I could have had the feeling and not acted on it because there was no intention behind it. Mm. Okay, so this intention then is actually a kind of a thought. It's just not a verbal thought. Uh, I see. Okay. All right. And so this is where we're we're looking for is there's these intentions that are very, very quick. It's almost like one mind moment. Mm -hmm. There are many different words in English that we can use and intention is one of them. Uh, attitude, um, inclination. Mm -hmm. um, uh, expectation. Right, this is another, these are the words that we would use, and all of these words are conceptualized words pointing to something that in the Pali is referred to as Sama Sankapa or uh, right noble intention that is not actually necessarily a long discursive thought. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need to have words. In fact, the wordiness is what takes so these thoughts so long to, to occur. So the intention of metta is all that we need, not the verbal, uh, may all beings be happy or all of the words that go along with it, but it's that underlying intention of uh, goodwill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh in this regard we're beginning to see that in fact the mind is really fast mm. very fast these intentions uh uh i was in the bathroom quicker than i could have told myself to go to the bathroom <laughs> but all it took was that instantaneous feeling followed by the instantaneous inclination or the leaning or uh, intention to go to the bathroom didn't take any words at all. And so when we can begin to realize that we can do a whole lot of living without a whole lot of talking about it that we don't need to have a running dialogue or let us call it a blow by blow description of what we're doing. And oftentimes we do that as we talk or as we're doing, we're talking to ourselves about what we're doing rather than just merely doing it. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. okay. So talking about meta is not the same thing as actually the meta. Yeah. The meta is a feeling or of in, uh, an intention of, of goodwill. It's an attitude. Yeah. Mm, I see. Okay. And that attitude then can be brought about by that verbal talking. If the verbal talking then begins to change that intention, that inclination, that attitude, because we all have, uh, were born basically with a victim's attitude. The attitude of an infant is, is that it's got to be taken care of. Then the then the, the little child, the attitude of the little child, you've, you've heard of the terrible twos. Do you know what that means? I can't remember. <laughs> well, the terrible twos is when the little child 
begins to recognize that he can say no. And that is the number one word. And that it often in the West has to do with potty training. You see, there's the natural way of potty training. And then there is what was Dr. Spock's. Dr. Spock wrote a book back in the 1950s that really messed up an entire generation of baby boomers. Turned the whole society anal. Why? Because this Dr. Spock wrote in his book about how to potty train a child. Every child needs no potty training. Hmm. They will train themselves. But if mom stands over that child saying, you do it now, I'm waiting on you. Then the child has the ego growing of, no, I'm not going to give you the turd you want, mommy. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give a shit. <laughs> and so that's what potty training is all about is putting a little child on a potty and tell him to do it <laughs> and every one of us rebels against that and the funny thing is is that um uh here in thailand I got the first opportunity of watching a child not getting potty trained and it wound up being no issue at all. Hmm. We gave her a little gift of a potty and say, have at it, kid. (laughs) 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 And kids could potty train themselves. Funny thing about it, we never had to do any potty training for the dogs either. Hmm. The only reason that you have to potty train a dog is because you won't let them outside. So they're trapped in the house. They don't know what to do, and so they do it on the floor. And one of the potty trainings is for the dog is to teach the dog to get so uncomfortable that he's got to make an emotional scene to the parent or the adult or the, the human so that they'll open the door to let him out. But if the doors are always open, the dogs will just go out and do whatever they're going to do. No training needed. Hmm. All right. If you can take that and extrapolate it, you can recognize that a whole lot of training that we receive as children does more damage than it does good. That potty training puts us in the position of being a victim. Hey, I can't even take care of my own diaper. (laughs) I've got to have help. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and so that's how we grow up. We grow up in that victim's position, which again is just that nickel, that intention, that feeling of heaviness. Doesn't have to have a full thought. No one will go around telling themselves in language you are a loser, but we feel it. Because that inclination followed immediately by a feeling without having to have a long discursive dialogue in between. But there is that thought, that intention, that inclination lasts about one alpha wave, about a tenth of a second or so. Is also what you could call reaction time. 
that we react to things with reaction time without even having to think about it. A good baseball player or an athlete, uh, just out of the blue, if you throw a ball in his direction, he's going to catch that ball because he's been trained to do that. He's got mm -hmm. those fast reactions. If you throw a ball to a tie guy, he's going to get hit by it and be concerned as to why you threw a ball at him. But in our culture in the West, we throw things across the room to each other rather than uh, getting up. <laughs> in Thailand, if you're going to give someone the keys to the car and that person is on the other side of the room, you've got to walk over to the other side of the room to give them the keys. It's a social coupon to not throw. But in the West, we have developed that. And so somebody will throw keys at you. You can catch them. That training then, that response time, doesn't need any didactic information in the sense, oh, he's throwing a ball. Let me project uh, uh, what the speed of the ball is and where it's going to land. So I'll be able to have my hand up at just the right place to catch that ball or those keys. We don't have to take that. We don't have to go through all of that didactic dialogue that the mind is actually quite fast in yeah. that regard. Okay, yeah. and so this is where then we can look at meta in that regard, that real meta is that inclination, that niggle, that um, expectation, that attitude, not the didactic, may all beings be happy. Yeah. And so if we can understand that, now we can do something that's, that's really valuable and wholesome, that we can work with those very fast thoughts. Mm -hmm. And um, how we begin to change them is with the lower, slower didactic language to literally talk ourselves into feeling good. And then the feeling good starts to change our attitude. Yeah. The attitude is fast. So in that regard, the meta practice is not really a practice at all. It's the resultant attitude, the resultant everything is okay. The resultant is that uh, everybody can be friends. But it doesn't take a lot of thinking about it. An example. Girlfriend comes home. Boyfriend been waiting for girlfriend. Boyfriend says, where have you been? I have been waiting for you. I've been worried about you. I have been. Uh, what is the, uh, the English phrase? Uh, having you on the mind. Um, missing you. That's the word. I have missed you. In Thailand, they don't say that. They would say instead, glad to see you, been thinking about you. Kit Tun Kun is the Thai expression. I have been thinking about you. And you mm -hmm. see, once the attitude of, oh, I've wanted her, I've missed her, and she's not here, 
poor me, I'm the victim. And the other one is the winner's attitude of, wow, I'm glad to see you. I've been thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where did those two attitudes come from? They came almost instantly. Yeah. Yeah, just a nickel, just a, a, a small intention, just maybe the sound of the car when she's driving up. Or maybe the sound of her footsteps. Just instantly you hear that. What's your attitude going to be? It can yeah, be very- I get to be free <laughs> if I've been worrying about her. But if she's home, I mean, if she's home and my attitude has been, oh, good to see you. It's like a bonus. It's like, oh, great. Abby's home, you know. Right, exactly so. So that's the uh, the way of looking at it from a winner's position. If we are a victim and we have wanted her to be home, then that means that when she gets home, now she's got to do her duty of making me feel good because I felt bad when she was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Winner mentality is everything is a bonus. Loser mentality is I need something to feel okay. Mm-hmm. And that can come very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I know and it. So, <laughs> and so being able to see that coming, or better still, to know it in advance so that you can intend to have good intentions. Mm-hmm. You can intend to have those in the sense of right and noble thought. So when we talk about right and noble thought or right and noble attitudes and things like that. A lot of students understand it only in the sense of discursive or didactic language. Damrado, your video froze. I think I need to turn my power on low mode here. Hold on. Yes, I've lost your signal. I don't see your video. There it's back again. Can't see you though. Okay, you're back again now again. So I'm going to turn my camera off and yes. turn it back on again. Yeah. So that how is it now? Do you have the video? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So um we had also talked a bit about uh more than one teacher that every topic that you know of, like music teachers. I've had many different music teachers. Had voice teachers, piano teachers, organ teachers, tuba teachers, all kinds of teachers, string bass. Also with math, many different math teachers. Math teachers for calculus, another one for statistics, another one with uh, uh, algorithmic progressions, another one on uh, stochastic processes, another one on numerical analysis. Okay. All different types of teachers. And that's also true with Dhamma. That in fact, I started with psychology and then uh, Muktananda and then uh, Gawanka and then Achan Bhikkhu Buddhadasa and Achan Po. So I've had a lot of teachers. And so it would be really ridiculous for me seeing that to then be jealous of you going and reading a book by another teacher. It just doesn't compute that way. It's no, I'm really <laughs> pleased that 
the students are actually out there. But now you've got a kind of a better foundation. If you had read that book without having uh, gone through what we had gone through together, you would have yeah, been yeah. taking all of that frustration to that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's already been a lot of frustration even still, but it's way, way, way more toned down than it was. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like waves. It'll come in waves. But I've learned to just accept that there's going to be waves, that there's just waves. That's okay. Okay. Well, then Basically, you can begin like to see the waves. Then can you, right? Can you see that initial start of the wave? Can you see yeah, that right. intention? That's the whole right. point. Is that this stuff gets started by an intention? Yeah. Just okay. one mind moment. Can you catch that mind moment as it occurs and say, "Aha! I see that. <laughs> I see that come yeah. up." Yeah. Yeah. Rather than pulling it and pulling it on that string, and you know, as soon as you see that string, you say, I, I see that, I see you. Another thing that I've started to stop doing is actually take breaks because the taking the break that is being taken is basically. Oh, okay. We're just not going to look at what's going on in the mind for a little bit. <laughs> and then <laughs> after that break, you see very clearly that you're worse off than you were before you started it. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Never mind. Start again. That's the, yeah. the point. You see, a lot of students get the idea of I got to do it constantly. Hmm. And if I'm not doing it constantly, then I'm breaking somebody's rule. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was never the teaching in the first place. It's that the sati is when you recognize when you can wake up, then do it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So go ahead and live your life. And when you see the dukkha, wake up to it immediately. Otherwise, you don't have to be on guard all the time. Right. Can't be on the guard all the time. That's life's no fun that way. If you're on guard all the time, no, yeah. you've got to be able to relax. I'm saying that it's more like when I do see when I am waking up and I'm remembering and I'm remembering and I'm remembering. But at some point I'm tired and I like and I start to say, that's it. I want to take a break now. But when I take that break, I end up being worse off after the break than before because I take a break. We don't want to take a break from waking up. You mean up. taking a break into going back into unwholesome thought? Yeah. Rather because than when you're taking not a watching, break of working so hard and being yeah. in the wholesome, just let the wholesome right. ride without right. working at it. Right. Rather than, okay, but you're taking a break is to go ahead and go back into unwholesome thought. Right, unknowingly sometimes too is what I'm saying. Like when you let the mind just do what it wants to do, but you haven't developed enough practice yet to be able to be stable in those good feelings, then it's gonna it's gonna tumble because you need to keep practicing. So I'm starting to see that it's interesting, like 
I wouldn't say keep practicing. Listen to the words I say. Never mind, start again. Right. Never mind, start again. It's same that I that's that's how it is for me too. It's it's starting again right now in this moment. Starting this moment and in this moment. I can't remember what I was gonna say, but anyway. All right, Don Morado, I think I'll go in about a couple minutes. All right. Well, this has been a nice chat. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see that you're getting some benefit. No, not so much frustrations. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It, your our conversations really helped a lot, and um, it's pretty cool that like we didn't talk for two weeks. I tried something else, and then everything that we've been talking about together kind of hit me in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But seeing it from another perspective, but it's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Right. The same yeah. thing. It's the same coin. You're just looking at the backside of it right now. Right. Right. All right, Alex. Well, we'll see you soon. Glad to uh, see you still on the uh, 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 the Skype calls. Uh, there's quite a sangha going now. I and, know. Uh, <laughs> and you're uh, a good participant in that. So. Uh, we'll we'll stay up. We'll see you. All right. I'll see you later, Don Ronald. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.